It's Easter evening, and they're tired, really tired. I mean, they've been with family and friends all day. I know for me, when it gets to Easter evening, I'm tired, but I'm not as tired as they are. They've been on an emotional roller coaster for days, and now they're more than tired, they're exhausted. And to understand their exhaustion, you have to kind of dial back the calendar a couple days from Sunday to Thursday, the last time they were all together as a group at a meal, a meal that was supposed to be a celebration that became a solemn, kind of quiet, difficult event where he said to them, I'm gonna leave you, He said to them, someone's going to betray me. He said to them, I have to die, but they didn't get it at all. They couldn't comprehend what he meant. This is supposed to be a party, a celebration, and he's using these words that's causing them to feel a lot of fear and questions. He sees it in them, and he says to them, Jesus says, my peace is going to be with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And he sees the look in their eyes, and he knows. He says to them, you know, everyone else is going to rejoice, but you're going to grieve. But your grief will turn to joy, because you're going to see me again, and the joy that I'm going to give you, no one will be able to take away. And it happens so fast, they're at this quiet meal Thursday night. And they go into the garden, and Jesus is arrested. And all of a sudden, they're together every day for three and a half years. And all of a sudden, Jesus is taken from them. And they scatter. They're afraid. They run. Jesus is put on trial with the Roman and religious leaders. And Pontius Pilate sentences Jesus to death. First, he flogs him. And some of them, I think, crept back, snuck back, and watched them drive nails into his hands. Some of them were there present to hear him say, it is finished. They watched him breathe his last. I mean, this is so disheartening. Do you think they had buyer's remorse in this moment? This is so disorienting. Things change so fast And all of a sudden, they're afraid for their own lives because if they could do this to Jesus, they could do it to any disciple. They're nervous. They're afraid. Jesus is dead. They put dead Jesus into a tomb Friday night, and Saturday, their laws say you got to stay inside. So silent on Saturday, they just think and rehearse everything that's gone on in their minds. Sunday, a couple of them go early in the morning to the tomb. They're expecting to find dead Jesus, but his body is missing. Some of them are saying that he's now alive. They've talked to him. They've seen him. But this is so crazy. They're on this emotional roller coaster of ups and downs. They're so disoriented. What are they to believe? Dead Jesus is now alive, and some people have talked to him? And what's going to happen to me? And what's going to happen to us? And they're in this room on Easter evening. And if I'm exhausted on Easter evening, how exhausted must they have been from riding this up and down? And the room is locked. And they're quietly staying together going, what are we going to do? And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. He moves through the locked doors, through the walls. And he's like, 
peace be with you. Um, if I'm exhausted on Easter evening and some dead guy shows up and says, peace be with you, I'm not feeling very peaceful by that. I, I'm a little bit more nervous at this point, but this is the phrase that Jesus uses to greet them, peace be with you. And these words that he speaks fight back their fear, it fights back their disorientation, and it replaces that roller coaster with joy. And that's what we're going to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, turn them on. John chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 19 through 23. Follow along with me, open paper copy, electronic copy, John chapter 20. And as you turn there, let me pray. God, we all know what it's like to have an exhausting day, an exhausting season, an exhausting life. We know what it's like to be disoriented, we know what it's like to grieve. We know what it's like to have buyer's remorse. We know what it's like to be afraid. So risen Christ, show up right here, right now, in every living room watching, in every person listening. Push away our fear and replace it with joy and peace the kind that only you can give. We trust you for it. We ask you to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been on a roller coaster of emotions before, haven't you? When you found yourself looking for peace, hoping for peace, and the last place you would think peace would come would be from a dead guy. I mean, we all think that God is the one who can give peace. Many of us have found ourselves asking God for peace, but do you think that a risen Christ showing up in your living room is going to be the source of peace? It's not how we would imagine things, and yet that's what takes place on this Easter evening. And maybe, just maybe, this is the way Jesus gives peace now. Maybe he shows up in ways you can't explain and can give a level of peace that pushes away frustration, disorientation, confusion, and replaces it with peace. John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And after he had said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Totally unexpected, right? Because dead people stay dead. This isn't how it happens. And all of a sudden, in a locked room, Jesus shows up and appears, walks through the walls. I mean, it would be very easy to be with the disciples. The other gospels kind of allude to this to think this must be the ghost of Jesus' past, right? This is not a real person, because how does a real person come walking through walls? It must be a ghost, and Jesus shows us in this text. He gets it, he understands it, so he says to them, hey, see my body? The other gospels tell us, he says, invites them, touch my scars, because these individuals saw with their eyes they saw him crucified, they saw him dead in a tomb, and now he's saying, now touch me and see. I'm not a ghost, I'm alive. I rose again from the dead. You're exhausted and afraid, 
I get it, but touch me and see. This isn't some mystical ghost thing happening. I'm alive. John tells us their reaction. He says, the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. So they go from fear, confusion, disorientation, scared for their lives, locked doors, to overjoyed because the Christ who was crucified is the risen Lord. And this is so important to just stop and acknowledge for a moment. Just follow this, track with this. There is only one Jesus of Nazareth who was born of a virgin, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. There's only one Jesus of Nazareth. So there are plenty of people that worship a dead Jesus, a dead one. And he's stuck on a cross, dead. And they'll say he is a good spiritual moral teacher or a prophet who died a martyr's death. He's an inspirational leader to follow, but that kind of thinking says he's still dead. There's one Jesus who walked on planet Earth full of grace and truth who went into a grave dead and walked out alive and transformed the lives of people who were totally scared and overwhelmed and who think the same way you think, that dead things stay dead, but when I see a dead thing come to life, it changes my life and it fills me with joy. There's only one transforming Jesus, crucified, dead, and buried, rose again from the dead, and he is still transforming lives. Now, he's no moral teacher or prophet. Now, I want, I want to zoom in on this phrase with you for just a moment, this phrase that Jesus uses. He, he says, peace, cool word, right? Peace, be with you. Now, if I'm Jesus, I go, ta-da, like, I don't say peace be with you. I'm like, see, I'm here, I told you. Like, I'm totally bragging. I'm totally like making a big deal about it. But here comes Jesus walking into locked doors going, peace be with you. The word peace is the Hebrew word shalom. And it means total well-being. total well-being. It means in every aspect of life, past, present, future, in every aspect of life, emotional, mental, physical, spiritual, relational, vocational, in every corner of our existence, total well-being. Jesus speaks these words, peace, be with you because he knows his disciples don't have peace. He, he knows his disciples are in this traffic jam of disturbance. There, there's a war going on inside his disciples to try to sort this out and figure out what is going on. The word peace also means no war, right? He sees the war that's going on inside them. And so he shows up and he says, Peace be with you. No more war inside you. Total, holistic peace. Now, if I said to you this morning, peace be with you, 
I, you know, I'm here to tell you today, warm vibes and peaceful vibes your way. What does that mean? I mean, it could show you, when I say to you, peace be with you, it could show you that I care about you, but it is completely powerless to do anything. My warm vibes, my good luck wishes, my happy thoughts your way, show you I care about you, they do absolutely nothing for you. Warm vibes? But when Jesus says, peace be with you, I mean, this is an altogether different thing. Because he's the guy that said, hey, I'm gonna die and rise again. My peace is gonna be with you. Don't be afraid. You're gonna grieve, but your grief is gonna turn to joy because you're gonna see me again. And they watch with their own two eyes a guy dead who's now alive again. And the only way he can come back from the dead is if he is God. And when God says to you, peace be with you, the God who controls all things and every disturbance, the God who is over a sovereign over every war, when this God says to you, peace be with you, that ain't warm wishes. That's a sovereign king who knows you. And it changed those men in a moment, those women in a moment, and replaced their fear with joy. This is not warm wishes. This is a king who can speak peace into any and every situation. Let's go back to the text. Verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Second time, as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Remember, we looked at Jesus' last words on the cross when he said, it is finished. What was finished? Jesus bore in his body the wrath of God for the sin that we deserve. I'm sinful. Jesus bore in his body the wrath of God poured out for the sins of the entire world on Jesus. He finished sin, and he opens up a way beyond religion, Right? to have a relationship with God so that we can have peace with God. He died so that we could have peace. I love what Romans says. It says, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So by faith, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can have access to God and have peace with God forever. The Father sent Jesus to do his work to secure peace for all humanity. And now Jesus says to them, I'm going back to God the Father. My job is done. I died for the sins of the world. I rose again to prove who I was. I'm the only one who can give peace. Now I'm leaving and I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. Remember I told you the Spirit will be with you to comfort you and guide you. He says, peace be with you. And he breathes on them. Interesting. He breathes on them. When he does that, he's signifying, symbolizing that there's this new beginning, this new start, that he came to do a work, and now his work is done. He's going back to God the Father. Now I'm sending you, men and women, those who've experienced my life and death and resurrection, those who have my spirit living inside you, I'm sending you to go do the work of God the Father. When he tells his disciples, if you forgive them, they're forgiven, he doesn't literally mean that his disciples can walk around forgiving people of their sins. That's not it at all. 
It's that these individuals have experienced the forgiveness of God, the peace of God, the love of God. And as individuals who've experienced that, their role now on earth is to ensure other people experience that same love, that same forgiveness, that same peace. And so when you, men and women, go tell this good news to other people that you can have peace with God, that you can be forgiven of your sins, that you don't need religion, you can have a relationship. If people reject that, it's on them. But if they repent and change, they will be forgiven and they too will experience peace now and forevermore. So on this Easter evening, we learn something important, that when I have peace with God, I also have his Holy Spirit and purpose. So it isn't just that God forgives me of my sins and I live eternally with him now and forevermore and that my shame is removed. It's not just that, but that he gives us his spirit. We've talked a lot about this. He puts his spirit inside us to live in us and to comfort us and guide us. But the only thing better than Jesus right next to me is Jesus inside me, right? And so his spirit is inside me living. And when I have a really great day, he's with me. And when I have a really hard day, he's with me. And when I'm tempted, he's with me. And when I have doubts, he's with me. The Bible says, where can I go from his spirit? If I go to the mountaintops of joy, his spirit is there with me. If I go to the valley of depression and death, his spirit is with me. Jesus says, I have granted you, I've secured for you forgiveness of sins, but I've also given you his Holy Spirit to live inside you. But beyond that, he also gives me purpose. I'm to live and to act, to love and to serve in a way that people see the evidence of my forgiveness, the evidence of my peace, the evidence of my joy. I now have purpose to live in such a way that my relationship with Christ comes out, leaks out, shows up in every aspect of my life, at home, at work, at school. But this isn't just for me, but this forgiveness, this peace is for other people to experience, you, experience Jesus too. So this peace that he offers fights against our sin and shame, but his peace also fights against our purposelessness our restless wandering we do as humans, the temptation to give in to any feeling or any fad. He puts his spirit inside us and a purpose inside us that begins to change our lives and change our existence, change our home and change our work, change our hobbies. It begins to change us into ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Can your version of Jesus walk through walls and show up anywhere he wants? I mean, ask yourself that question. Does the version of Christianity you profess, can your Jesus walk through walls and show up anywhere at any time and give peace? Because if your version of religion says Jesus is dead and he's on a cross, and I worship a dead cross Jesus, and he can't show up any time and any place, then you're in religion. You're stuck there. You don't have a relationship because Jesus of Nazareth is not dead. 
He is alive. He rose again from the dead. He is the son of God and he can show up anywhere at any time in any person and give peace immediately. He can give peace immediately. This is the living Christ. Here's another way to look at it. If you're in a dead religion, a dead religion won't change your life. It won't change your appetite. It won't change your your situation. It won't give you purpose. You see, if you're in a religion, you feel safe, you feel in control, you feel like you have your own purpose, your own lifestyle, your own decision-making, your own way of doing things. That's what religion does. But Jesus, the living Christ, shows up with lasting peace, and that peace comes as we pursue his purpose. It's not the absence of his purpose. When we surrender our will to him, where we love the things that Jesus loves, where we hate the things that Jesus hates, that's where his peace starts to show up in our lives. Many of us want the peace of God, but we don't want the purposes of God. We want his peace. Oh God, give me peace but I certainly don't want to follow your purpose for my life. We want it both ways. Yes, please, God, give me peace. I need your peace, but I'm not going to follow you. And then we wonder why we don't have his peace. So you might get a dose of his peace. It might change you for a moment, and then you wander and walk off and do your own thing, and you wonder why. You're not experiencing a holistic, substantial, sustaining peace. If your peace comes and goes, ask yourself, am I following the purposes of God? That's where lasting peace comes. So I was thinking a lot about what Pastor Brad said last week. He said, mercy is found. Mercy is found when I meet God at the resurrection, that Jesus is alive. And so where I have dead hope, where I have dead uh, dreams, where I have dead faith, where I need peace and I want purpose, I meet Jesus again at the resurrection because he's alive, he's not dead, and he can walk into any situation and grant you peace. Here's what this looks like for me. So if Jesus would show up in my living room, up in my life. If he would come into the middle of my life, show up in his bodily form, here's what he'd find. He'd find a guy that struggled his whole life with comfort eating. A guy that when he's stressed, when he's tired, he makes himself feel better by eating. And 2020 was really hard for me. Lost my dad, my entire family got COVID. I didn't want to exercise. All I wanted to do was eat. And so 15 or 20 pounds later, here I stand. Where is Jesus, the resurrected Christ, when I'm comfort eating? If he just shows up in that moment, if he walks into my life when I'm trying to make myself feel better by eating, is he really the Prince of Peace? See, when Jesus says, peace be with you. It's another way of him saying, I am with you. 
When I'm grieving, Jesus is with me. When I'm stressed, Jesus is with me. When I have doubts, Jesus is alive and with me. When I'm sick, Jesus is with me. When I'm struggling with parenting, Jesus is with me. And Jesus invites me, he says, I'm with you always. Yo. <laughs> I am with yo. Right? That's kind of cool. Jesus is with me and invites me, Joe, when you think food is going to make you feel better, I am with you. Would you invite me into that moment? Because when you invite me into that moment now, peace is with you. Do you see that little shift? I'm with you always. When you're dealing with grief and sorrow and tension and stress, I'm with you. But when you invite me into that mess, now my peace is with you. See, I'm learning that I bring my doubts. I have all this struggle. I have all this disturbance. There's a war going inside me all the time. I know it's true for you as well. We struggle. We're tempted. And we give in to temptation. Our family didn't turn out the way we thought it would. Our kids are doing things we wish they would never do. We have adult children that are walking far away from God. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with addiction. We struggle in our marriages. We struggle at work. We struggle with depression. We struggle with anxiety. We struggle. And if you've been riding in an emotional roller coaster of struggle through the pandemic and through every aspect of life, can I introduce you to Jesus of Nazareth who lived and died and rose again and can walk into any situation, any pandemic, any stress and give you peace. But here's what I'm finding. Peace of Christ is directly connected to my interaction with and obedience to Jesus. Write this down. Take a picture of it that my peace is directly connected. He is with me always. Where's his peace? Where's his peace? Where's his peace? It's directly connected to my interaction with him, my acknowledgement that he is here. He's in the hospital room with me. He's in the diagnosis room with me. He's in the temptation. He's in the struggle. He's in the stress. He's in the death of dreams. The dead-end career, you can't sell your house. Well, not here in the valley right now. I mean, you, he's, he's with you in every moment, but do you acknowledge it and interact with him? Do you talk to him? Is he alive or dead? Is he just your ticket into heaven? Or do you have a relationship with him where you talk to him, where you say, I'm stressed about my kids. I want to hit the eject button and Walk away from parenting. My marriage is a wreck. Do you invite him into the wreck of your marriage? Do you invite him into the temptation, into the addiction? Because where you talk to him and invite him in, that's where peace starts to get traction in your life. It starts to change things. Also makes a huge difference to obey him. You know the Bible's crystal clear on a lot of things. People say, well, the Bible isn't clear. Really? The Bible tells us how to live as men and women. The Bible talks to us how to live as employees and employers. The Bible tells us how to live as citizens of heaven on earth. 
where my citizenship is there, my loyalty is there, my priority is there, and I'm to walk not in this world, or I'm to be in this world, but not of the world. The Bible teaches all of that. The Bible talks about sex and the appropriate place of sex. The Bible talks about food and the appropriate place of food. The Bible talks about alcohol and the proper place of alcohol. The Bible teaches a lot of things crystal clear. You want his peace, but you don't want to obey him. And then you wonder why you don't have peace. God, help me. You're with me always. Help me to obey you. Where your word is clear about how I should think and how I should speak, how I should act, how I should live, how I should love. Your word is clear. I want your peace. Help me to obey you. I want his peace, but I don't want his purpose. The Bible speaks about how to live with our money and our time and our gifts and our talents. I'm to be an agent of grace and love and truth on planet Earth, not a source of tension. There's no place for racism or sexism in my life as a follower of Christ. No place for that. I want his peace, but I don't want his purpose. And then I wonder why I feel so far from him. Jesus shows up and says, I'm with you always by faith. My peace is with you, but are you willing to obey him? Do you walk with him? Do you talk with him? Do you invite him in to the circumstances, the emotional roller coaster that you're on, the vocational roller coaster, the relational roller coaster? Do you invite him into that? Because there he shows up and says, now my peace be with you. It's the holistic peace that's past, present, and future. It's a peace that passes all understanding. It's a peace that will help you in the darkest, deepest valley. It'll give you a sense of hope. As you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil because he is with you. Doesn't mean you won't go through it, but you'll go through it with him. And when you're on the heights, and the highest mountaintops, he's with you there as well. This living Christ shows up in every spot. Will you talk to him? Will you read his word? Will you trust what he says about you? Will you follow his lead, listen to his voice, follow his love's lifestyle? Because when you do that, you experience peace that passes all understanding and it guards your heart in Christ Jesus. Pray with me. God, you know how difficult days can be. You know the ups and downs, the roller coaster of a pandemic. You know the feelings we have of sin and shame. You know us. And you designed us to live in shalom, total well-being, with no war and no disturbance. This is your design for your sons and daughters, and our sin has gotten in the way of that. So may we confess our sin to you. Would you forgive us our sin? Enter into our life. Give us your Holy Spirit. Give us purpose. Remake us into agents of your grace and your love on planet Earth. 
you left and left this work for us. Father, forgive us for in the workplace being racist or sexist. God, forgive us for putting country over kingdom. Forgive us for believing that this world is all we've got when eternity is ours through Christ Jesus. Forgive us for giving in to temptation. Forgive us for grieving without hope in a resurrection. Forgive us for not following your job description as husbands and fathers, as mothers and wives. Forgive us for thinking marriage and career will solve our problem, that sex and possessions and power will make us feel better. Forgive us as your sons and daughters for making everything about me. Forgive us and replace these appetites, desires, and motivations with peace and a purpose that lasts and sustains. Grant us your Holy Spirit to guide us to not wish the pounds away, but to get on the elliptical and work out. To not wish our addiction away, but to go to celebrate recovery or AA or NA. To not wish for life better with our spouse, but to get ourselves into counseling. And would your Holy Spirit meet us in those places? We trust you, we love you, we need you. In your son's victorious name, Amen.